last week, hallelujah, last week we talked about trusting God. Boy, that song really goes with trusting God, doesn't it? We talked about that really in depth about trusting God at another level. And, and, and as I was getting the message on trusting God and I was taking notes last week, at the same time the Lord began to tell me some things about deception. And uh, that really has to do with trusting God and different things. And so I thought, well, I'm going to preach that sometime. And so it turned out to be this week. And so, but I got most of this last week at the same time. Um, I'm not approaching tonight. This is going to be a teaching, kind of different than last week. But I am not here tonight to give you some big warning about, oh, you need to be careful. You know, there's deception out there. That is not my purpose. My purpose is actually opposite that. My purpose is to, to, tonight to convince you that you don't have to be concerned. If, that if you will be uh, trusting in the Lord, and if you will be well informed, that you don't have to worry about being deceived. You do not have to be concerned. And so we'll talk about that tonight. At some time or another, we probably have all been concerned or tempted to be concerned about deception. Um, but when, we're, when we have a concern about deception, we don't need to ignore it. We need to deal with our concern and see where that's coming from. Um, because when we're concerned about being deceived, it can keep us from moving forward with God. I mean, it can kind of just lock us down in our tracks. In other words, we're scared we're going to be deceived, so we just stop and we just freeze and we don't move forward with God. And it can cause us, uh, when we hear something new, to drag our feet. You know, pastor's always talking about being easily persuaded to believe. And he's not talking about being gullible, but just quick to believe. And um, so we don't want to drag our feet and fall behind because we're concerned about deception. So I want to talk tonight about how we can safely pursue God safely pursue God. You know, God has given us, when we were born again, a built-in warning signal. And that is the Holy Spirit living within us. And we do need to learn to trust the Holy Spirit. I know when I was a new believer uh, and a new pastor's wife, I, didn't, I did not have my I had not developed my trust in the Holy Spirit yet. And many times I would feel something or sense something and I would think, oh, that's just me. And you know, and so Sometimes things slipped up on me, uh, mostly concerning people, just because I was not attentive to the Holy Spirit and didn't trust the Holy Spirit inside of me. And so we need to practice hearing the Holy Spirit on not just bad things, but good things, because then we live, when we practice hearing the Holy Spirit, even on good things, we will know His voice and we will, we will be um, uh, safe because we can hear Him on the uh, or when things when he says stop, don't go there, don't do this, or or back away from that, or whatever. Uh, so, um, you know, God never wants His people in fear, and so God does not send fear to try to keep us out of deception. He doesn't ever give us a spirit of fear, and um, if we are fearful and concerned. That should not tell us that God is trying to speak to us. That's not how God speaks to us with fear and concern. That should tell us that something just the opposite is probably going on. Isn't that true? Does God speak to us with fear? 
No. And he doesn't speak to us with concern either. I want to turn to Luke 11 tonight. Praise God for the word. We praise you, Lord. We thank you. We appreciate your word. Luke 11. Luke 11, 11. Are you there? Everybody there? If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give a fish? Will he Will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Well, you know, at Word of Life Church, we've been in a big pursuit of God, getting in his presence and so forth. And uh, so, uh, and, and you know, maybe you've thought, well, you know, I just don't want to get out there too far entering into the throne room of grace. And, and Miss Debbie will say, did you see something or did you hear something? Well, I don't know. I just want to be careful because, you know. But the truth is that if we're in pursuit of God and we're in pursuit of the Holy Spirit, we're not going to get a stone. We're not going to get a serpent. We're not going to get, we're not going to get a scorpion because we're pursuing the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. In fact, the one of the greatest things that we can do is to be in pursuit of God. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you, the, the scriptures say. Uh, submit yourself to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Uh, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due season. Drawing near to God doesn't cause people to be deceived. Actually, drawing back from God is what causes people to be deceived. Drawing near to God and listening to him and submitting yourself to him and getting in his presence will, will actually train your senses and train you to know the things of God and you are a lot less likely to be deceived if you know the, the, the Spirit of God. You know the, the, the Holy Ghost. I'm going to read from you to you from after I was... Uh, had that message, then I would. I've, I had already been reading this book for a while. I read slow sometimes because I'm usually reading five books at one time. So, whatever book in the morning kind of inspires me, I'll read a while. But I'm going to read from this book, and it's called The Seer, and it's about the prophetic ministry. But I thought it spoke to this. Entire segments of the body of Christ have written off the supernatural aspects of God's kingdom and his workings in the church today because of fears about being deceived and led astray. Others have written it off due to excess, abuse, and the bad testimony left behind by lone rangers who are not accountable to anyone in the body of Christ. The prophetic has been given a bad rap at times, but some of the wound has been self-inflicted. Nonetheless, God does speak to his people today, and he is very capable of preserving us from harm and deception. Say, God is capable of preserving me from deception. God wants us to hear his voice even more than we want to hear it. What is the foundation that we must lay? 
Stick close to Jesus. Seek Him and love Him. Give our all to Him. James 4, 8a says it this way, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. We could never overemphasize this point. Cultivate intimacy with God through a relationship with His only Son, Jesus Christ. So, based on what he's saying, more intimacy would lead to less deception, not more deception. Who do you think it is that wants to keep us out of the presence of God? I bet we can figure that out, can't we? Hallelujah. Okay, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll read some more in a minute, but um, we'll go on from there. One thing we need to point out is that deception can come from evil people who are intentionally trying to deceive, deceive people. Did you? Sometimes we read in the Bible about false prophets. And sometimes false prophets are false and they intentionally try to deceive people. Uh, you know, the one scripture, I believe it's in Timothy, says that they slip into houses and take captives, uh, silly women. They slip, and so that would be intentional deception, wouldn't it? But a lot of deception comes from God-loving people who have believed a lie themselves, and they're not intentionally trying to deceive, but they've just been deceived. But we would have to say in both cases that the source of all deception is evil. Even if you've just been deceived and you're, you really love God, but you're just preaching what you were always taught and you always heard, that's still the source of that deception is still evil because it, it seeks to rob you from who you are in Christ and what you've been made in Him. And the devil's the one that wants to rob you of that. Did you know that a deluded gospel is deception? When, when churches buy into, and like Brother John Smithwick kept saying, talk show hosts, and I, I can pretty much name some that believe that, that there's many ways to God. That's deception. And when churches, as some that we even know, have embraced Muslims into their churches after the service, and he t said that, we talked with Brother John about how now there's something new called Chrislam which is a mixture of Christianity and Muslim faith, and is total deception because there is only one way to God. And yet God-loving people, God-loving people, I didn't say, I, notice I said loving. God-loving people are the ones that are doing that Chrislam thing. And so we, uh, we, we have to be aware and be alert not just be, oh yeah, you know, not paying any attention. But on the other hand, we don't have to be scared at all. Uh, keeping Christians under the law is deception. There's a lot of churches that, keep, that, that preach the law. They believe that we're still under the Old Testament law. It amazes me this happens regularly. I mean, we hear it regularly from where all of a sudden they'll say, well, all of a sudden now this person's preaching don't eat pork. That is totally against the New Testament. That is totally Old Testament law. Now, the New Testament teaches moderation in all things. So it's not good to eat all pork or anymore and it's good to, eat, to drink 24 Mountain Dews every day. 
or 24 cups of coffee or 24 Coca-Colas, you know, because the Bible, the New Testament teaches moderation in all things. But the Bible says in the New Testament that all food is to be received, is clean and is to be received with thanksgiving. In other words, if you'll pray over it, you can eat a cockroach if you want to dipped in chocolate. I wouldn't advise it. Hallelujah. That is New Testament. But we went, so that is deception. Now, we don't throw them out of the body of Christ because they have something like that, and we don't even quit listening to them. We just say, you know, Brother Hagin used to say, chew up the meat and spit out the bones. You know, well, that's a bone. And we just say, okay, you're just in a little fad you know, or something, and maybe you'll come to yourself. So keeping Christians under the law is deception. I know we went to uh, the IHOP Sunday night with the guest minister and with the guest ministers we had here. And so when we're leaving, you know, we couldn't get out of the parking lot because you just keep talking. And there was another group over here, and you couldn't get out of the parking lot because they just kept talking. And the sweetest young lady, and I talked to her, and, uh, but I had never seen hair that long. And I've seen some long hair in my day, but she was as tall as pastor, and it went down below the back of her knees. And it, and I said, and I knew when I, and you would have known too, that she's coming out of a church that's teaching the law and putting women under the law. Of course, nobody would want to wash that mess. I mean, how do you wash hair that long? You got a room. <laughs> What the, I tell you, I sat and thought about that for a while. Like, how in the world? Hallelujah. Uh, hallelujah. But she was cute and she was sweet and she talked to me uh, a long time. And so, and, and hallelujah, they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not condemning them or anything, but I'm not going to get under the law with them. Hallelujah. So, uh, so and that is deception. Hallelujah. Let's go to Galatians 3.1. So we see that there is deception in the body of Christ among God-loving people, God-serving people, God-fearing people. And some of it is probably more damaging than others. Some law is pretty damaging. Putting the, preaching the law puts uh, people in bondage. And Galatians here, in, in chapter uh, 5, verse 1, he says, uh, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We're not to go back into bondage after we're born again. And, and really who, what he's talking to is the Jews who all of a sudden somebody was trying to convince them to come back under the Jewish law. They were trying to preach that now you have to be circumcised. Uh, you, you need to, you know, even though Christ redeemed us, you still need to go ahead and be circumcised, which was totally wrong and was totally trying to put them back under the bondage of the law. We are not saved by works. We are not saved by, uh, and we are not kept holy. We're not made holy by works either. We, it's not by works of righteousness. We've been made holy by the blood of Jesus. And any time we start trying to have hair to make us holy or wearing only dresses to make us holy, hallelujah. And, of course, we know that there's a balance to that which says, you know, that doesn't mean we should dress unholy and come in here with the cleavage and the, 
you know, or go out there. I'm not even talking about just, well, I'll wear it to the movie, but I won't wear it to... We're to live holy lives, but it's not by outward things and appearances and dresses and, and um, hallelujah, those kind of things. And so Paul addresses it here and he says, Galatians 3.1, Oh, foolish Galatians. He says it's foolish. He, ta- he called them foolish. Have, who has bewitched you or deceived you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? And he goes on to say, This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law? Did you receive the Holy Ghost by the works of the law? I would ask you, did you get saved by the works of the law? And the answer is no. Or by the hearing of faith? And the answer is faith. And then he said, are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if ye be yet in vain? He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doth it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. You're not even going to get healed by works of the law. Now if I just read enough scriptures today, and if I don't read them, no, that's not, that's law. And sometimes we have a tendency to try to put ourselves back under the law and that doesn't mean we're just supposed to run wild but it does mean that we're supposed to use our faith not we use our faith we don't we don't say that well if I now if I go to church don't go to church well I'll do this or if I go to church I'll get this I'll get I'll get um God will, I'll earn my, in other words, I'll earn prosperity or I'll earn it. No, that is deception. So we have to learn to discern. Ephesians 4.14, slip over a couple of books. Ephesians 4.14. That we henceforth be no more children, children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftedness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. So that would be an intentional type of deception. And it says that there are some people out there who would lie and wait just to deceive you. And we're not to be children, immature. We're to grow up and mature because children get tossed to and fro and they get blown about by every wind of doctrine. They hear something, they don't know whether to believe it or not to believe it. They get on Christian TV, they listen to, you know, you listen to Charles Capps on one station and, and he says, watch what you say. Then you turn over to another station and they're just saying, oh my God, we're going under. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, this horrible, rough, we, this, the devil's just been walking all over me. And they're like, well, you know, which way is it? They're, and they don't know which way to believe. Why? Because they're children. And we're not to stay that way. And the only way to not stay that way is to get your mind renewed by the Word of God. And let me tell you something. Quit mixing your seed. You can die mixing your seed. Boy, I listened to faith one week and then I listened to that old believing, unbelieving doctrine the next week. When Jamie Buckingham, who was, I don't know if y'all remember, y'all are too young, but he was editor of Charisma Magazine and he was a, he was a big in the charismatic movement. And I thought, you know, and I was, a ch- I was kind of immature. So when somebody died, 
I mean, I didn't think any of us were ever going to die that were spirit-filled and believed the Word and knew about healing. And when he died, I was like, God, he didn't get healed. He, he believed and he didn't get healed of cancer. Lord, why did Jamie Bunkingham die? And the Holy Spirit was good to me in that day. And I remember right where I was at and the place I was at when he said, and the Holy Spirit said, he mingled his seed. And he did. I mean, he was, he was kind of, you know, friends with the whole body of Christ because he was editor of Charisma Magazine. You know, he was pulling in. He was, you know, he was getting teachings from this person and that person and this doctrine and that doctrine. And, you know, even though we love the whole body of Christ and even though we, we, they are our brothers and sisters and we count them precious and we might even fellowship, we don't want to listen to teaching that is not, that is full of unbelief. And when you do, you get your seed all mingled and you get confused and you don't know, and, 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 then, you, and then hallelujah, you get where you need healing and you don't, you can't get a hold of it because you just, you know, you just didn't know how to believe God. I mean, we could just sit down and name the people. So it used to throw me every time somebody spirit-filled didn't get healed. But let me tell you something. There, it is never God's will. It was not God's will. Healing was there for them. And it was always something that they didn't catch hold of. They just didn't catch hold of something the right way. They didn't have understanding in some area. I know uh, Ruth Ward Heflin, when she died, and she died of cancer, my Lord, if anybody could have got it by works, she could have got it. Because she was a missionary in every nation of the earth. She went to Hong Kong when she was just a teenager, never married, gave her whole life to God, poured out herself as a drink offering, probably even too much. I mean, in the sense of didn't take care of herself and get enough rest because she so poured herself out for God. But, but in Pentecostal spirit filled, you wouldn't get around anybody that knew the Holy Ghost any better. But you know, just because you know the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you know faith. And you may not know how to believe God for healing. My little grandmother, she said, I thought if you served God, I thought if you served God, and what else did she say? And one souls. Because, boy, her whole mantra in life was, He that winneth souls is wise. Proverbs. That was, and did she ever win souls? She said, I thought if you loved God and obeyed Him and won souls, that He just would have to heal you. You just would get healed. But it's not by works. And so she died. Because she just, you know, she couldn't get a hold of the faith thing. The faith thing, by the faith thing, I mean is believe you receive when you pray. Hallelujah. She was going to believe she received when the doctor told her she was healed. She said it in front of our church in Texas. I, you know, boy, it's hard to correct your granny, but up in front of our church, she said, I just want to go to the doctor and get a good report. And I, had to, I said, Granny, it doesn't matter what the doctors say. But she, didn't, she couldn't see that. She was waiting for the doctor to tell her she was healed. And if you do that... You are your own sinking sand. Why? Because 1 Peter 2.24 already said you were. And it has nothing to do with how your body feels. So we take the medicine for the symptoms, but, but medicine just works in the flesh. Our spirit's the one that receives the healing. 
So that's why we can take medicine and still be in faith. Right? Because when we take the medicine, it doesn't affect the faith in our heart. It just helps our body a little bit. Till we can get that totally grabbed hold of. And sometimes, I tell you, I, in every time I've been healed of something that was more than just a little thing, it has taken me a while to get my mind around it, to get my heart around it, where I could fully know that I am healed. I mean, I've had to work with the Word of God in the Scriptures and work with my soul, okay? And so don't be disappointed in yourself if you can't receive instantly or didn't receive instantly. Don't, throw, don't cast away your confidence. The healing anointing came on us Sunday morning. I felt it when it came in. When He released that healing anointing, I felt that thing come on me. Hallelujah. And it was here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So, uh, <clears throat> now let's go to Hebrews 5.13. And I remember even, I was even, even more far along. I was actually already pastoring here in Tuscaloosa. And I remember when the music leader at Word of Life Christian Center died of cancer. And I was like, and just for a minute, I felt myself go, my Lord God, if Kim can't receive, what about me? Because I was standing for healing at that time. If Kim couldn't receive, what about me? I heard the Holy Ghost say, and this is so true, her healing has nothing to do with yours. You don't look at anybody else. I don't care who falls in the floor. You don't look at it. It has nothing to do with you. Your healing is between you and God, and that's all. Amen? And you don't have to prove anything to anybody either, by the way. I don't ever worry about you and what you think of me when it comes to my healing. I'm not worried. Now, I've been tempted in the past, but I had to die to self in that. And that if you, that's part of getting healed is dying to self. Because pride, the woman with the issue of blood had to die to self and say, I don't care what they think about me. I'm getting up there and I'm touching the hem of his garment. And I'm going to be healed. And I, the, the Sadducees and Pharisees can go jump in the lake. I don't care what they think. And, you know, you have to get that way because it's like, oh, if I go up for healing, what are they going to think? I don't care what you think. I have to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. And I had to die to myself where it came to other ministers too. Well, it's like, well, what will they think if I come up and ask them to pray for me? Or if even there's other ministers in the audience. I had to die to myself. It's like, I, I can't care what they think. And, I don't, and I'll tell you right now, don't matter... What, ha what I do or what I don't do, don't you ever quit believing God because of me. Now, I'm going to try my best to encourage you, but hallelujah. Don't matter. My faith in, and my healing has nothing to do with your faith and your healing. And hallelujah. If I didn't get my healing, I just miss God. That's all. I just couldn't get my, my brain around it or my heart around it, however you want to say and it don't mean nothing. It doesn't say anything about how God heals when He heals or who He heals. His will is to heal everybody. And if you fail, it's your failure. It's not God's. And if I fail, it's my failure. It's not God's. 
And we will not change our doctrine because of any person. Hallelujah. Are we in Hebrews 5.13? We're talking about being deceived. But all of that, you know, all of that can go back to being deceived. If you want to tie it to that. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, matured, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The more you exercise your spiritual senses, the more you're going to be able to discern between good and evil. That's why we need to, we have to help the babies in Christ, those that are newly born again. We have been around a long time. And you know, one thing we need to do, you may know something that the old timers don't know, but one thing about it, I can guarantee you may have a revelation they don't have, but you don't know the Holy Ghost like they know Him. Because revelation is progressive. But knowing God does not come instantly. It comes day by day and serving God for years and walking God with, you for God, with God for years. So I'd trust an old timer any day over a young whippersnapper with a great revelation. Now I, I'm, I'm not against listening to his revelation and learning from a young whippersnapper. We can learn from any age. But if I need to know is this God or not, you know, I'm going to go to those that are seasoned in the Lord. As long as they're not, uh, uh, what do you, would you call it, uh, unteachable. And we'll get to that in a minute. Okay, uh, so the number one defense we have against deception is knowing the Word of God. That's the number one defense. The less you know the Word of God, the more likely you are to be deceived. The better you know the Word of God. We must have a working knowledge, a good working knowledge of the Word of God. And if we do, it'll be hard to deceive us. And we could go around the room tonight and I could say, I could say, where is this scripture? I could quote a scripture and say, where is it? And, you, and you, I could tell if you had a working knowledge of the Word of God. And the only way you get one is to get in the Word. It's not listening to preaching. Although, I tell you something, if you will turn in the Bible, Brother Hagin used to say at Healing School in Tulsa, he could tell who'd get healed by if they turned to the Scriptures when he had them turn. That it made all the difference in the world if they would just turn to the Scriptures when the teaching was being done instead of just sitting there. And then take another step. If you'll write some things down, you know, you don't have to write every word down, but if you'll write some things down, if you'll go back over the Scriptures, if, you will, if you're reading a book, if I'm reading this book like this seer, and he, quotes, and he uses a Scripture, but sometimes they'll write the Scripture out, you know, but if they don't do that, I look it up. And, and, then, and if you will confess Scriptures on a daily basis, like I, I don't, I confess, not just confessing Charles Capps' book, because that's a good confession, and we should have a good confession, but actually looking up the Scriptures and saying the Scriptures out loud, those healing Scriptures, the first thing is their life, health, and medicine to our body, the healing script. Not Charles Capps' confessions that are based on Scripture. Those are just confessions based on Scripture. But the actual Word of God is life, Healing medicine to our bodies. So I read the healing scriptures out loud. Every night I read a few. Every night before I go to sleep. Even if I'm tired, I make myself do it anyway. Cause, and now, and you know what? You get a working knowledge of the healing scriptures. 
And then I took the healing scriptures. I marked every one of them in my Bible with, with a highlighter, yellow highlighter, not just with ink, so that, boy, I can flip through my Bible and just find the healing. Hallelujah. And say them. Yeah, the devil will oppose you on it. He don't want you to do that. But hallelujah. And there's a lot of things that that does. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It'll keep your faith strong. Amen. So uh, knowing the word of God is our number one defense against deception. When we know God, know God. Not just knowing his word, but knowing God. That's another thing. Having intimacy with him keeps us from accepting the counterfeit. There is a difference between being saved and knowing God. Oh, there's a lot of saved people out there that have prayed the sinner's prayer and they have said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that God raised him from the dead, but they don't know God. You know what I'm saying? There is a difference. You, you know, Brother Hagin, you say, well, they wouldn't know God if you walked down the street with a red hat on. Well, that's what he's talking about there. They might be saved, but they don't really know God. They don't recognize him. They don't hear him. They're not listening. And uh, let's turn to 1 John 2. First John chapter 2 and verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know him. If we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. If you really know God, you're not just saved, but you know God, you're going to be about keeping his commandments. I'm talking about all of his commandments. Not that we earn anything by keeping his commandments. We do not earn righteousness by keeping his commandments. But proof that we really know him is that we, we keep his commandments. And the very chiefest of all the commandments is found there down in uh, uh, 8. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. That sounds like deception to me. You say, you say that you're in the light. Oh, I'm a Christian. I walk in the light. But you hate your brother in Christ? It says you're in darkness. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Boy, that is good. But he that hateth his brother in Christ is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. So I tell you what, a quick way to get into deception is to hate your brother in Christ. Be angry and hate your brother in Christ. Hating your brother in Christ is deception. Hallelujah. So we know we're in the light, and we know we know him because we keep his commandments. And one of the chief commandments is, is that we love. We walk in love. 
We, we, you know, we may, um, well, I'll just keep going. Let me read from the seer again. Let's see. I'm going to read from page 72. Hallelujah. God has chosen to deliver the prophetic to the church through the flawed and often immature vessels of humanity. Although scriptural revelation was perfect and inerrant, prophetic revelation in the church of Jesus Christ does not function on this level of inspiration. This is because prophecy is not our only source or way to hear God's voice. Hallelujah, isn't that good? We have the living God dwelling in our hearts and the Holy Spirit leading and guiding each of us daily. Perhaps most importantly, since Calvary, the prophets serve as a supportive and secondary role to the Bible, which is God's more sure word of prophecy. God has chosen to speak through many people prophetically instead of using just one or two perfected people in a generation. Thus, there is always the possibility of mixture in the revelatory word because he chooses to use wounded people with clay feet. At the same time, every believer has the basic tools to discern truth from falsehood for him or herself. The fact that revelation is open for judgment in this age proves its present imperfect state. But remember, the imperfect state of prophecy is directly linked to the imperfect state of the people who deliver it, not to an imperfect God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So um, we're not to throw it out. Hallelujah. So the number two defense against being deceived is to be part of a Bible-believing church. That means the whole Bible. And we're not going to go on that because you're here and you're about part of a church. So we'll go to number three. The number three safeguard against ever being deceived is to examine revelation, visions, etc. carefully. That means your own and others to people's too. Hallelujah. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5.21. We don't ever believe something just because someone says so. We, we, we have to examine it, and we're going to learn how to do that. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things. Say, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. So the Bible tells us to prove all things. Most Christians just don't ever take the time to prove all things. Hallelujah. So we need to do that. So there's three uh, sources. Well, first of all, we need to recognize that there's three possible sources of revelation or communication. And one of those would be the Holy Spirit. So something that's spoken or said could come from the Holy Spirit, couldn't it? And the Holy Spirit is the only true source. In John 16, 13, he is called the Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit will never tell us something that's false. Never, ever will it ever be false. Or even will it be a half-truth. Although something could get mixed in from the soul. Sometimes uh, some revelation that's spoken forth will start out like, as the Holy Spirit. Somebody did really hear from the Holy Spirit and heard from God. But maybe they kind of get over there in their soul and they begin to expound upon it. 
One prophet said that's called hamburger helper. <laughs> we try to help the Holy Ghost. Have you ever tried to help the Holy Ghost? If you're married, you did. You have tried to help the Holy Ghost before if you're married. You tried, uh, what does Joyce Meyer say? You tried to be Holy Ghost Junior. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, would all of us agree that God doesn't really need any help? Hallelujah. In that sense. He does need our prayer, but he does need, not need our help in, 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 in uh, directing our family. Number two, the human soul. It's something could come out of a person's soul. And we know the human soul is not perfect by any stretch of imagination. Your soul is not perfect. Your spirit man is perfect. When you were born again, your spirit man was born again, recreated, made new, completely new. You're a new creation. And your spirit man is perfect. And God not only recreated it, he sealed it so it would never be contaminated. It can't be contaminated. Now, your soul can be all messed up. Your mind, your will, your emotions can be bonko, and you still be saved and have a perfect spirit. But the thing is, is that when we minister, it also comes out of our mind, will, and emotions, not just out of our spirit or the Holy Spirit. And so that's why things must be judged. If it all came out of the spirit, we would never have to judge anything. But we have to prove things. And, you know, we don't have to take hours to do it. You know, when the Lord uh, gave me a vision, I mean, I think last week he gave me a vision, yeah, and I shared it on Wednesday night. And uh, everything he showed me, he spoke the scripture to me while he was showing me. I know when he showed me, and I felt myself sink back into God, and I told you I couldn't see me, all I could see was God. The scripture he gave me was the one where it says, my life is hid with Christ in God. And when Pastor uh, got the revelation and he's told us at the end of church last Wednesday night about he was seated and he sat down in Jesus, inside of Jesus, and then I sat down on top of that and then y'all came and sat down and that's, we got scripture for that. We, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, the entire body of Christ. We don't have to go further. We know. We know that that is truth. And then we had confirmation. Uh, John Smithwick Sunday morning talked about the, he actually nearly quoted Pastor Verbatim talking about being seated with Christ. And did you pick up on that? I did. I said, oh, that's what we heard Wednesday night. Several of you picked that up. Okay, so, uh, but the human soul's not totally perfect. So the human soul is capable of voicing thoughts or ideas or inspirations out of the unsanctified part of our emotions. Ezekiel 13, Ezekiel 13, 1. So that's why we're constantly working on our soul. What are we doing? We are renewing our mind continually. That's our soul. The Bible says to not only renew your mind, it says, uh, what does it say? In, um, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Not just renewing your mind so that you know what the Word says, but the very spirit of your mind so you know not only what it says, but you know, uh, the, uh, you know how to think. You know how to think right. That'd be the spirit of your mind. 
And so we're, we're, we are all, that's what we come to church for, is to renew our mind and to receive faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We come to, to listen and so that if we're thinking wrong in any way, that the minister will speak something that week and correct us. Or if we are thinking right, we should get some sort of a confirmation from something that's said, even though the minister doesn't even know. Uh, but by the Holy Ghost, we'll get a confirmation. We may get a correction. We may even get a rebuke. I'm still looking for Ezekiel. Ezekiel uh, 13. Ezekiel 13, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel, that prophesy and say thou unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts. Hear ye the word of the Lord. So it's possible, because it happened in Israel, that prophets would just prophesy out of their own heart. And that happens in the body of Christ sometimes, hopefully not often. Thus saith the Lord God, Woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the deserts. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. Hallelujah. In other words, he said, you hadn't prayed. And they have been vanity and lying divination, saying, The Lord saith, and the Lord hath not sent them. And they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. And we know, we know that could happen. So because we know it could happen, though, we don't want to throw out all prophecy. We want to judge it. Hallelujah. Jeremiah twenty-three sixteen. Don't throw it out. Judge it. And if something's scriptural, you know, something scriptural, but you don't really uh, see it, you don't really fully grasp it, as long as it's scriptural, you don't want to throw it out, that's when you just put it upon the shelf. Hallelujah. 23.16. I know uh, when somebody... Has, but there's been times before that a prophet or something has given one of my children a word. And, I, and it wasn't unscriptural, but I just didn't see it because I was believing for them another way. But sometimes words are way far in advance. And we just what that, that particular part of the word is just so far off, it hadn't showed up yet. I know long, many years ago, uh, when... Uh, we were first pastor, and a man gave pastor a word, and he's a respected man of God. I really respect him, still do. And he gave pastor a word about an administrative gift. And I thought, that can't be right. Because, you know, I was looking at today. But sure enough, pastor developed in very strong administrations, and uh, hallelujah. You know, I was just wrong. That's all. <laughs> but I was just looking at that day. 23.16 of Jeremiah. It says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart, not out of the mouth of the Lord. And so sometimes you may just have to... You know, there's been times when I've heard people say that they knew they were going to... They, they knew something was wrong. In other words, they maybe they were pastoring... Maybe they had a word that they would always pastor and some prophet came through and said, you're going to go to Africa or something. And they just said, you know, I know that's not right. And so I'm just, all you have to do, you don't get mad at the prophet. You just say, you know, uh, sometimes the soul gets uh, involved. And I've also seen this happen. 
I have been in the line before waiting for somebody to get to me, and the prophet got to the person beside me and told him my word. And I knew that was for me. I knew it wasn't for them, it was for me. He just missed it one person. Like, you know, Brother Samson says, this isn't rocket science. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he's picking up something in the Spirit, but he picked it up and he just didn't get to the right person. Have y'all ever seen something like that happen? That has happened. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And sometimes it could happen where the word's for both of you. But in that particular case, it wasn't. It was, that was my word. And so I just took it and ran with it. It was my confirmation. It was my word. I just said, that's my word. And, you know, he, he just missed it one person. See, you're picking stuff up in the spirit. And, and, and you're, it's, uh, and there's a lot going on in the room and no telling, you know, some, somebody doing something crazy and somebody over there talking. And, and you know, no wonder sometimes we, we can get kind of, Messed up. So, uh, so we have this, uh, we examine this revelation. I don't know where I'm at. It would help if I could find it. Mm -hmm. Okay, I got it. So it could come out of the human soul. Now the third place, our source of revelation, thank you there, that helped, is it could be an evil spirit. That's most often not the case when we get revelation in church. Especially, you know, we're a church that's believing God. We're, you know, we're committed to God. We're not going to get the, an evil spirit speaking. But you could get an evil spirit speak to you at home. You know, I think an evil spirit would be scared to talk here. Because there would be five, 15 people jump on it and say, That ain't right. But it gets you off by yourself and speak to you. And two characteristics that are pointed out in scriptures about evil spirits talking to you is one, they're angels of light. No, they don't. The devil don't come to you and talk to you in a red suit with a pitchfork and horns on his head. In other words, it looks good. And that's the next point. It's a good voice. It's not a bad voice. In other words, it sounds good. But the devil always speaks lies. It's always a lie when the devil speaks. It may sound good. So that's why we can never be ignorant of God's Word. And listen to this. Don't ever bend the Scriptures. And don't ever make an exception to God's Word for you. Well, you know, I know that God knows my heart and He knows this situation. And I know in this case, it's not really what the Word says. Family, I know two people... Two people I know that's gotten their marriage messed up by Facebook. Christians, spirit-filled Christians. And you know what they're saying? It's like, well, you know, I believe this was God's will. I believe it was never God's will for me to marry her. And now I believe it was always God's will for me to marry this one. But, you know, we just missed it and we married the wrong one. And now, you know, and we're soulmates. If I hear the word soulmate one more time, I am going to barf. I don't care who your soulmate is. Your mate is who you married, and it might not have been God's perfect will, but when you went up there and said, I do, God went to plan B and said, now this is my perfect will. Make it work. And you ain't going, you know, you ain't going to be able to get out of it and say it was God. Hallelujah. 
So don't make exceptions for yourself to God's Word or your situation because when you start making an exception for yourself to God's Word, that is deception. Hallelujah. So don't be ignorant of God's Word. Satan always mixes truth with lies in order to trick gullible people. So he's going to tell, you know, part of it might be true what he says, but part of it won't. Hallelujah. You know, I think sometimes though, and I'll say this, when people want to do something like that, they're not really deceived. Or they're just going to have their way. You know. Hallelujah. So test every source. We got to test our sources. It's, we got to test every source. Excuse me. We got to test every revelation. We have tested three ways. We test it three ways. Source, content, and fruit. Three things we test. The source, where's it coming from? We already said there's three places it could come from. It could come from the Holy Spirit, it could come from self, or it could come from Satan, right? An evil spirit. Three sources it could come from. So you check the source. And then even after you've checked the source, you check the content. That makes a double check. What did they actually say? What did the words say? And then we check the fruit of all revelation. Let's go to 1 John 4, 1. First John 4, 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. So we're to try the spirits, try the source. And one way we can eliminate whether this is an evil spirit or not, I heard someone teach this and I, I like it, is we can actually say, do you, you know, what did it say there? It said, uh, if they confess... That Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. You can actually say, do you confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? And if you get a peace and a flow and a, you know, a witness that, yes, I confess that, then probably not an evil spirit speaking to you. Because an evil spirit will act up if you try to put the pressure on and I'm not talking about you have to see this spirit to say that. I'm talking about if something says something to you, you can test it. And you know, by knowing the word, we will know uh, what a what a what 
what could be God and what not could not. You know, we can just eliminate a lot of things just right off the bat and say that couldn't be God. Because God wouldn't tell me that. Hallelujah. So we're checking the sources. The Bible calls it trying the spirits. And the source could be self. So we could kind of check and say, does this feed my ego? Or does it exalt Jesus? You know, something would be feeding your ego. Well, you're the, one, you're the only one that's right. Everybody else is wrong. That's just feeding your ego. That's not, that's not true. Everybody else isn't wrong. Everybody's against me, or everybody's against you. That's feeding you, but, but, you know, that's, you know that, that is a self thing. Satan, you check and see, is it destructive? Is it telling you to jump off the bridge? It's not self, and it's not, because you would never want to do that to yourself. No man, it says, wants to harm his own flesh. The Bible says that. You don't want to harm your own flesh. But the Satan would tell you to be something destructive to do yourself. And does it lure, lure me away? In other words, well, you need to get out of that. You know, you need, to get, you need to leave. You need to go. It's trying to lure you away. James 3. And we're going to quit right after this. And then we'll have to finish up next week because I want to. The Lord spoke to me last week when He was giving me this message. I didn't get it from anybody, folks. He told me four things that that always that deception comes out of four roots. There's four roots that it comes out of. James, uh, but here we're going to look at James chapter three, verse fourteen. Okay, James tells us some here. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. So wisdom, the, anything that something's telling you and it's full of strife and there's strife in your heart and you're envious of other people or anything like that, that is not the Spirit of God. That is devilish, the Word says. It says, This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion. So if there's confusion, that's earthly, sensual, devilish, and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So there's three sources. Self, does it feed my ego? Satan, is it destructive or does it lure me away? Is it full of envy? Is it full of jealousy? Is it full of confusion and strife? Or number four, because we're checking the source when we hear something. Is it God? Is it peaceable? Is it gentle? Is it easy to be entreated? You know, when you can't reason with somebody, they're not, they're not listening to God. When they're being irrational and unreasonable, that's not the Spirit of God flowing out of them. 
Is it? Because when you're really in God, you're, you're, uh, you're easy to be entreated. You're peaceable. You're gentle. You're full of mercy. You're full of good fruits when you're flowing with God. You're not trying to hurt everybody around you. And so, you know, a lot of times it's really pretty easy to spot what the source is. What's the source? What is the source? There's, some, there's times when it's a little harder. But if you'll give it some time, and we'll talk about that next week, another symptom if, of if it's the devil is if it rushes you, if it won't give you time to even sort out your emotions so that you can, you can find out, is this peaceable? Is this gentle? Is this full of mercy and easy to be entreated? If it's pressuring you, you've got to go, you've got to go now, you've got to do this, I'm not having it anymore, that is that is a sure sign that it's the devil because the devil doesn't want to take the time. He wants you to jump off the bridge now. He wants you to make a decision now. Amen? So in next week, we're going to talk about content and find out how to judge content when you hear something. And we're going to, judge, we're going to talk about how to judge the fruit of something. And then we're going to find the four things that deception can be traced back to. No, we're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And so there's four things. Hallelujah. It might take us three weeks. I'm not sure. But we're going to get this teaching in about deception. Hallelujah. And we're not going to ever fear it. Hallelujah. We don't have to fear deception. Thank you, Lord. We're not going to be deceived. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Does anybody need prayer tonight? We'll pray for anybody. You're not admitting anything to do with this sermon. <laughs> if you come up for prayer, it has nothing to do with this sermon. It's totally a separate issue. You want to be prayed for, that's all. You came to Wednesday night church and you said, I'm going to get prayed for tonight because I know if they lay hands on me, this will happen. Hallelujah. So we're not... There's no, we're not going to have true confessions here tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Well, we'll let Pastor receive the offering then.